0: But with, uh, right, uh, with, with Sarah, I helped run um, a course which we used to call called Firestarters, now calling Ignition. And that's about a course on how to practically hear God and prophesy and, and carry out healings. And, and we ran that recently. In fact, some of you might have been here when we brought some of the, the, the people doing the course up to do words of knowledge and healing. And, and you came back. So that was good. Couldn't have been all bad. So that's good. Um, now... Tonight, I want to talk about quite a specific topic, when God seems silent. And I'm aware that for some of you, that might seem a little bit of an alien concept. Um, you know, it may just be something... You know, God's always speaking to me. I've never really noticed God not being part of my life. So, before you check out and do your Amazon shopping or Angry Birds on your iPhone pretending to read the scriptures, because I know how it's done, um, <laughs> I want you to... I feel everyone should get some some takeaway message, something useful for their day-to-day life. So before you, you know, start delving into Amazon, I wanted to pass on these important words of wisdom uh, that I've picked up and share with you. These precious words of advice have all come from U.S. military combat magazines. When the pin is pulled, Mr. Grenade is not our friend. That's from the U.S. Marine Corps magazine. It is generally inadvisable to eject directly over the area you've just bombed. (laughs) U.S. Air Force manual. I particularly like this one. A slipping gear could let your M203 grenade launcher fire when you least expect it. That would make you quite unpopular with what's left of your unit. (laughs) Army's magazine of uh, preventative maintenance. And that is a gripper, I can tell you. This one, I think, is particularly helpful. Five-second fuses only last three seconds. (laughs) You may want to know that when you're in combat. And from uh, from another priceless bit of wisdom from Infantry Journal, don't draw fire. It irritates the people around you. (laughs) Now, wonderful and useful as this kind of advice is, and, and let's face it, worldly advice can be really helpful. The truth is we have an infinitely better option available to us. You know, we have a loving father who walks with us. He's personified by you know, that amazing foot, footprints poem. He's with us throughout our lives. And God promises wonderful things for us. Jeremiah 29 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. A God who promises to guide us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. A God, a Father God, who promises never to leave us nor forsake us. And this is probably one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. And I've picked the Amplified because I think it really just picks it up really well. For he has said, Hebrews 13:5. For he has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not, in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Do you get the message? Now, with all those promises, we should be... Swimming in a sea of bountiful presence of God and awareness of His love and His will and His kingdom. And sometimes we do. God feels close. We sense His presence and His love. You feel like every whisper of God is like an audible shout to your soul. But sometimes <laughs> there are days, aren't there, when it's not quite so good. You trip over the cat, you shout at the kids, you get told off at work, and you're not even sure if God exists. And let's face it, the truth is, day-to-day variability is normal. That is part of life. But if we're completely honest, and and my aim tonight is to be completely honest, um, there can be variability between people as to how much we hear God how much we experience God so I want to introduce you to my totally unsanctioned, unofficial never ever seen in theology textbook sliding scale of hearing God at the one end we have the portal people now the portal people belong on this end of the scale portal people other people who see portals, who see angels, who are just in this constant dialogue of what God wants to say and do. And actually, probably the true portal people will be levitating sort of off the stage somewhere. But, you know, that is, you know, that is your hardcore experience of God, portal people. Now, as we move down in the reality scale... Moving towards the sort of center of the pulpit area. We have most of us. Where most of us basically have days when we're really with God. And days when we're not quite so with God. Days when we hear God amazingly. And days when actually it all seems a bit quiet. And that's probably most people. Now... If you're a portal person, the idea of not hearing God seems an utterly alien concept. So I give you permission to check out now and do your Amazon shopping because probably you're not going to get much more out of this talk. But most people have days where things seem fairly quiet. Now, then we have what I call the zero Ks. So this is where a brief physics lesson is coming up. A zero K is zero Kelvin is minus 270 degrees centigrade. Absolute zero. You cannot get any colder. At zero K, even atoms stop moving. And on my scale, zero K people fit somewhere over here. And they're sort of actually holding on by their fingertips or their toenails. These are the people who basically don't hear God at all. That actually they struggle. They would come to church uh, and they will have their quiet times and they will try and listen to God. But the reality is, if you ask them directly, they'd say, do you know, I just I just don't get it. I don't get it. I, I, I can see these people that are getting God, but I just don't get it. And that's not an occasional thing for some people. That's a day in, day out thing. That's their normal. And I'm not talking about um, non-Christians who have no right... Uh, specifically to hear from God, these are born-again believers trying to walk a saintly life. Now, the truth is, the numbers at this end of the scale, on the, on the zero-k in the scale, are small. And actually, in truth, they're often male. It's, in my counseling sessions, when I talk to people, I'm nearly always talking to a bloke who says that kind of thing. And nearly always, whenever you're talking about the portal people... <laughs> They're nearly always women. I don't know why that is, but maybe they're just more sensitive, more obedient, I don't know. But the portal women, the portal people tend to be women. So, I want to take a moment to share a bit about my life. This is where I became a Christian. Uh... It is uh, Christ Church North Finchley. It is, what well, it was when I was there. It may well still be the same. A traditional evangelical Anglican church. Uh, wonderful people that led me to Jesus. So I will be forever grateful to them for what they have done to my life. But they were what was called a cessationist church, which means they don't believe that God moves uh, through miracles or signs and wonders now. They believe basically that you have the word, you have the Bible, and that's it. So I grew up as a Christian, loving God, uh, but experiencing him through his word, his Bible, alone. And then I moved up to Manchester in 1985 to study medicine at uh, Manchester University. And there I met, uh, and later married, my wife Sarah. And this is us graduating in 1990. And yes, I did look that young. Now Sarah was the closest thing to a portal person I'd ever met. Although at that stage I hadn't quite refined my terminology, so I wouldn't have called her that. But I just thought, "Gosh, this is amazing. This is just incredible. The, amount, the, the way she experiences you, God, is just amazing. And I wanted to hear that way. I wanted to experience that. Now, while we were going out, I was in, got very involved in Manchester University Christian Union... Um, And I was asked to be the president of it. And and at that stage, it was the third largest Christian union in the country. So it was quite a busy role. And I was trying to learn medicine as well. And I was somewhat distracted by this girl I fancied. Um, So I didn't really get round to dealing with this issue of wanting to hear God more until my my third year when I finished my role as president. And I almost can remember the day. I think it was pretty much the day after I hand over the presidency and the rest of it and i just i got on my knees and said to god i want to hear you i want to hear you the way sarah hears you i want i want to know you i want to hear you more and that was it it was like a switch got turned off it was a bit like i'd just fallen into a black hole i couldn't hear god at all i couldn't experience him at all and we're not talking days or weeks We're talking about a decade. 1984 was when I prayed that prayer. And I stayed that way till 1994. Now during that time, I carried on doing the things you're supposed to do. I carried on going to church. I still had communion. I still had quiet times. But they were really quiet. (laughs) In fact, Sarah used to dread me saying, I'm going to have a quiet time. Because because I come down in such a foul mood. Um, And one time, I have to admit, that I was so frustrated with God that I actually had a small NIV Bible, one of those little brown ones, I actually threw it at the wall, and it fell apart. Um, So I kept that for quite a long time. But you need to understand, I'd done nothing different. There was no new sin in my life. I was just trying to go where God where I felt God was leading me. So why did God take me to such a deep place? Now I think there were some basic issues I had with God, some basic things in me that I needed dealing with um, along the journey that I took. But I think partly sometimes God does something just so that you can be an example to someone else. So I can go from someone who said, for 10 years, and my wife will, will testify that for 10 years I did not experience God at all. So now I lead a course on hearing God and prophesying and healing. And I teach it to others. So if, there, if I can do it, there is hope for anyone in this room or listening to this podcast. So what I want to do tonight is just share some of the lessons I found helpful along the way. So now seems a good time to read our main Bible passage for the tonight. Talk about a bad day. The disciples were having a rotten one. So let's turn to Luke 8. It's a well-known passage, uh, but I'm just going to read it out to you. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down onto the lake, so that the boat was nearly swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. And in fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So let's picture the scene, shall we? So here they are in the middle of the storm. And the disciples are clearly in trouble. And what's Jesus doing? He's having a kip. He's gone quiet. These guys honestly thought they were going to die. So you can imagine that while this stuff is going on, they're looking at Jesus saying, any minute now he's going to do something. I've seen him doing amazing things. Anything now he's going to say something or do something. But nope. No, he's he's still not doing anything. He's still asleep. What's he doing? I don't know. I think he's still sleeping. He's not not talking to me. So ultimately, say, let's go wake him. And the rest we know. Jesus wakes up, deals with the storm, and basically asks, what's your problem? Where's your faith? So let me just take a moment and see if we can unpack this a little bit. Let's look at verse 22 again. One day, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So whose idea was it to cross the lake? Jesus' yeah. Now, you've got to believe at the time of launch, there wasn't any sign of a suicidal storm on the horizon. Because I'm guessing that fishermen would be pretty good at saying, Gee, are you really sure? Because that looks a pretty bad one. I've seen storms and that doesn't look good. So I'm guessing that when they started, it was a nice evening. And everything seemed fine and routine. He said, let's go over there. And so they obeyed. But at their maximum point of need, and I don't think you can get much more needy than thinking you are literally about to die. He's saying nothing. He's doing nothing. He's gone quiet. So my first lesson for you is that when God seems quiet, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing anything wrong. So don't assume you are. And actually, the first thing, if you ever go for counseling or help or whatever, the first thought the person praying for you is going to think, oh, what have you been up to? God must have gone quiet because you've been doing something what sin would you like to confess but, and, and there is some truth in the idea that if God has gone quiet there are some basic things it's worth doing it's worth doing a little mental or moral inventory and saying is there something I've got into now that is not good you know, or ask your friends you know, is there something that you've spotted that you think is not brilliant in my life But the truth is, for me, the issues some of the issues I struggled with back then, I still struggle with now. There was no new sin that had crept in. Still the issues that I have trouble with, but nothing was new. And yet now I can hear God amazingly well, compared to when I could hear nothing. So not hearing him doesn't mean to say you're doing something wrong. And if that's the only message you take tonight, that's an important one. Not hearing him means there is a problem, but the problem is not at his end. Let's look at the passage again. So, the disciples are used to chatting to Jesus. They're used to crisscrossing the lake. I mean, effectively, that's one of the quick ways to get round and about. So, I guarantee you this was not their first storm with Jesus. Certainly not their first storm as a fisherman. But they have seen hundreds of storms. And so, they know what to do in a boat in a storm, and they would have just automatically started. They know that what you do is you reef the scale, sail, you roll it up, you you head into the wind, you adjust your ballast, and they would have just got on with it. And, and all the previous storms, that would have worked fine for them. At least we assume it would, because this is the only storm. It's in two Gospels, but it's the only storm that's really mentioned. So it's the only one worth talking about. So the first step is when God goes quiet, do the things that you normally do. Come to church. Get someone to pray for you. Read your Bible. Get someone to prophesy over you. You Have a quiet time. If you haven't had one for ages. Have a sozo. These things can help you get back into a natural rhythm with God. Do the things that normally work. But as I relate to you. I tried all that. I was doing all that and it wasn't working. Just like the disciples were doing the things they knew to do that had previously always worked and it wasn't working. I needed to reevaluate. See, the thing is when you're busy concentrating on something, like they were busy trying to sort out the boat and I was busy trying to get God to speak to me. I was busy trying to hear him. Sometimes when you're so concentrated on one thing that you miss the subtler things that God is trying to say to you. Let me show you something about concentration. Now, Now, I know that's not particularly good for a podcast, but um, hands up those of you who didn't see the shed change color and almost all of you. Is anyone going to say they noticed it? No one. Well, you're all very honest. I've heard it said that um, that those sort of things uh, are shown on speed courses when you're done for speeding. Um, So, if you, uh, I'm sure those of you who who, will have come across some of this before, but uh, it's not me personally. (laughs) Not me personally. That's what I say. I've heard rumours. So, um, some of you can do it every three years. So Some of you may have seen it quite a few times if they don't change their films. But the point of it is that when you're busy concentrating on one thing, you can actually completely miss something else going on in the background. And that's especially true if you're anxious, upset or in fear. I speak to you medically that that is a truth. And I think partly that was true for me. I was so worked up in this process of trying to learn to hear God I think I was just drowning him out I couldn't hear him so lesson two is that when you do what you normally do and it's not working it's time to re, re- it's time to see what Jesus is doing so I'm going to nick a popular phrase what was Jesus doing? because the truth is this wasn't Jesus' first storm either was it? Now, I haven't got any proof for this, but Jesus and the disciples lived cheap by jowl, and they lived life together. So I think it's highly likely that he helped out when he was on the boat. I think, it's, you know, I think it's very likely, because he was a carpenter. He was physically fit. He was used to manual work. I think if a storm happened, I think he'd be quite happy to yank on a rope in time of need. But this time... This one time, Jesus was doing something different. He was sleeping. He was faith filled and peaceful. Now, the Bible doesn't tell me when Jesus knew what the Father was going to do. Whether it was right from the beginning, and he just knew it from the very beginning, or whether it was on waking when he was woken up. But the truth is, it clearly wasn't his usual practice. To still a storm. If you look at verse 25, it says, In fear and amazement, they ask one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. The Bible doesn't say the disciples saw the storm and gave Jesus the nudge and said, Can you do your storm thing? Now I think it would have made it into the book. I know John says at the end there were countless other miracles that I could have related. But I reckon that the whole point of this was this was this was something new and different. They clearly hadn't seen Jesus do the water thing before. They were fearful and amazed. So they were so clearly busy doing their normal thing, their normal routine for a storm, that they just didn't notice was God was doing something different that time. It wasn't on their agenda. It wasn't on their grid. But Jesus knew. And so he was faithful. He saw what the Father was doing and was faithful. So to the disciples, God, in the form of Jesus, was completely silent and doing nothing about their problem. The reality was that God and Jesus were chatting all the time. And Jesus knew what the Father wanted and felt safe in him. There was no black hole. There was no absence of God's plan for the boat and disciples. God was talking. But only Jesus was listening. And that's why I've titled this talk, When God Seems Quiet. Because there is no black hole. There was no black hole in my life. There's no absence of God speaking. It was just, I wasn't tuned in. I couldn't hear. And sometimes you need help to register what's going on around you. It's a bit like being deaf and needing a little bit of help. It's good, isn't it? And look on his face when he hears his father's voice for the first time. The truth is the father hadn't waited, I don't know how old that little boy is, Um, maybe four or something. He didn't wait four years before he started to speak to his son. Did you see what he was doing before? He was signing. His father learnt a new language so that he could speak to his son. The father found a way to communicate. He was desperate for his son to know that he was loved. So the father did what he needed to to help his son hear the message that you are loved. So the truth is, God is the same. There is no mountain that he will not climb so that he can can speak to you. He will find any way to communicate with you, any means necessary, so that he can speak to you in a way that you can hear. God never is silent. So, what we're going to do now is try and do some things that I hope will help you tune into Him. So, my second point is when God seems silent, use an aid. So, what can be an aid? Well, if you're here, this is aid number one. You need to put yourself in an environment where God is. In 1994, in the midst of my personal black hole, I was getting nowhere at the church I was at. I was spiritually dying. And unfortunately, they were not helping. And probably were making it worse. And then, I heard of this church nearby, where some really weird things were happening. It was a church called Manchester Vineyard, and the Toronto Blessing was touching down in the UK. And... Uh, we started to visit and there were people barking and uh, roaring and shaking and doing all sorts and I was just standing there just looking at all this this chaos and this stuff and uh, I knew it was God I just knew it was God so uh, it wasn't affecting me but I thought I need to be in this environment I need to be in the presence of God. So we started to go. And I was like a dry sponge put in water. If you ever take a completely dry sponge, you drop it in water, it actually doesn't absorb water to begin with. It just stays dry. But if you leave it in the water, if you leave it in the presence, it changes. So I I started to soak in the presence. That sort of terminology wasn't really invented yet but that's what i was doing i was soaking so number one is get yourself where the god's presence is Um, and i'm unabashed about that i think if you are part of a church where you're going out of duty or service or some other reason than the presence of god and you have this kind of problem get out and find a church where god is Because God is interested in you, not your service. I sometimes wonder if the disciples might have been a lot better in the storm if they'd just gone, where's Jesus? Oh, he's over there. Why don't I just go and... He's a portal person, I'm going to stand over him. (laughs) Which which means, guys, we could be portal people. Because Jesus was. But if they'd have just said, okay, Jesus is here. What's he doing? He's, he's resting, okay? Well, why don't we try and rest with him? Maybe the storm would just have died anyway. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened, but I know what they were doing wasn't working. So get yourself in the presence. Secondly, remember your milestones. Look through the prophecies you have, the words said over you. Remember events where God has intervened in your life. If you look in the Old Testament, Israelites' greatest problem was they kept forgetting what God had done for them. Remember what God has said over you, what people has brought into your life. Help your spirit connect you with God again. Part of my problem was, at that time, no one was prophesying in 94, what in the lead up to 85. I was in a church that didn't really understand it or believe in it. This Christian union is still like it today. They're not interested in things of the Spirit, so I wasn't getting anything through them. Um, No one was coming to me and saying, you're going to get your heart's desire. No one said, actually, it's possible. So that's why did it take 10 years? Because I had a rather lonely walk for quite a while. The only person in my corner was Sarah who was desperately trying to do her thing, <laughs> yanking me. You know, the, have you seen that the footprints thing? Have you seen the amended one where, you know, it says, you know, um, look, in the, in, my, in the times of my life where there's, just, I, there's only one set of footprints and all the other times there's two, where were you in my times of loneliness? And, and God says, that's when I was carrying you, son. Have you seen the one where it says, and what's that, what's that single line? That's where I was dragging you, son. <laughs> so Sarah I was dragging me through the decade. So remember your milestones. Thirdly, keep coming forward for ministry, for prayer, for prophecy. Now, if you are a zero-k person, do you know what? It's hard to do that. I used to come to the front quite regularly. And what used to happen was I would stand there and I'd assume the legal position for receiving ministry, which was eyes closed, hand open, or sometimes actually got to the point where actually I needed to open my eyes because what would happen is the person coming to pray for me would go out in the spirit. They'd get close or they'd lay a hand on and down they go. And I'd be there. You know, maybe if I just moved five you know, maybe this is the zone, the portal there. I mean, once or twice it would have been funny, but it happened over and over and over so I kept my eyes open because I couldn't tell when they were going to go down so coming forward is not always easy but I kept coming and people kept pouring the water on fourthly and I think this one's important you need to learn how God is speaking to you so we're going to do a little self-diagnostic I'd like everyone in the room to close their eyes, if they wouldn't mind. I'm not going to do anything nasty. Just close your eyes for the moment. (laughs) I'd like you to think of a carrot, the vegetable. Take a moment with your eyes closed, just to meditate on a carrot. Now, just while everyone's eyes are closed, is there anyone in this room who cannot in one way, shape or form envisage a carrot? Perfect. Open your eyes. Now, there are lots of ways that people respond to that little activation. Most commonly, people see a carrot in their, in their imagination. They see the color and the shape. For some reason, my carrot is always one with the green sprouts on the end, which is funny because you never see carrots like that anymore, unless you get organic. Um, but mine is always a perfect... I think it's probably too much watching that bunny rabbit. What's it, Bugs Bunny for my youth? But I can see a... I can see a, a, a phys- in my imagination, I can see a carrot. But some people might actually see the word carrot. Some people might hear the word in their head. Some people might actually feel it. They might feel the carrot in their hands. In fact, when someone in our last ignition group did that. That was She, she felt it. Some people might smell it or taste it. This is likely to be the principal way that God speaks to you. Because it's your, one, your go-to way. It's the thing that happened to you the most easy. The, thing that, the, way that God, the way that you could do something without any direction. So for me, I learned that God speaks to me through my imagination. I see things in my mind. I see pictures. And over the years, I've learned to trust that that's God. So, one time I was praying for someone, and over their head I saw a load of balloons. And I had no idea what the balloons meant. So, generally, I'm a fairly pragmatic person, so when I don't get anything like that, I just say, I just see a load of coloured balloons over your head. I don't, don't get anything about it, but I just see it. And the, and the lady I was praying over swelled up. And for her, Balloons signified something really special between her and God. I can't actually remember what it was, but it was a very special message just for her. Now, I could have just gone, well, that's just a brain fart, isn't it? What the hell's that about? I don't know what that balloon thing is about. I'm going to, to talk about something else. But I saw it in my imagination. It wasn't a vision it wasn't something, you know, and, and, and some people do see, you know, they see physically things over people's heads. thought so I have not, I've not yet escalated to that level. Someone once got given that in a meeting I was at. They got given d- diseases over people's heads. And they didn't like it, so they asked God to take it away, and he did. I was like, no, I could have had that. I could have gone swaps. Anyway, I'm still in faith for that one. But another time I was praying for someone, and they had a scarf around their neck. And in my mind's eye, I'm trying to be really practical, in my mind's eye, I saw the kind of wooden yokes that slaves used to be um, transported by. I just sort of saw it. It didn't change. It just, in my imagination, I saw it. And obviously, that equated with slavery. So I started to talk to this lady, and it turned out that um, in the church they were going to, they had been quite horribly wronged by someone in the church. And she had forgiven that person. But actually, in the week by week, day by day thing, she felt that she had, was being forced to be in a very vulnerable position with that person. So that she felt like a slave. She felt like she had no freedom. All brought on by a funny thing about a scarf. But that's how God speaks to me, He speaks to me in pictures. For you, it might speak in some other way. And you need to be open to things that God might do to you or for you that is unique to you. I put this up because um, I like analog watches. I have, a, I have an eye I, I, I watch as well, so I am in the 21st century. But I do like analog watches. And when I was doing the school supernatural ministry, during the period of time, in the first year they talk about Father's heart, Father's love. During that period of time... I noticed that my watch was doing something funny. Normally, my watch—it was a Seiko watch—and normally it had a very, you know, very regular tick motion. And I noticed that it was starting to, to change how it ticked. And actually, because I was a medic, I instantly recognised how it was ticking, because because it was a heartbeat. Medics are taught to think about the heartbeat as lub dub pause lub dub pause. And my watch was doing that. It was tick, tick, pause. Tick, tick, pause. And it started to do it as soon as we started talking about the Father Heart of God. Now, as it happened, a few weeks later, the the watch stopped ticking. It ran out of battery. Now I could have thought, oh, well, there you go. It was just running out of power. It was just one of those things. Or, I could say, at the precise time we were talking about Father Hearts, God's Father Hearts, my watch started to beat in a way that would be uniquely specific to a medic. That someone else would go, my watch is doing something funny. But I saw a heartbeat every time I looked at my watch. Now God will do that for you. He will do something that if he did it to me, I I would possibly miss it altogether. But he'll do something for you that you will know is unique for you. Like the woman with the balloons. I still, can't can't remember what the balloons meant. But it meant something very special for her. So God will speak to you in whatever language he can find. So be open to it. See what God might do. Time for a fourth truth. Now, own no, up, how many of you were willing her to do well? Now, what I didn't hear them say is Girl, you suck at walking. You are truly useless. This was YouTube, for goodness sake. Someone put this pathetic attempt at walking up on the web, but she's rubbish at it. Five steps was her maximum. I mean, how useless can you get? Why don't you just give up? I mean, Nathan, my son, had the most amazing bum-shuffling technique that he had going. <laughs> and it was quite speedy. I mean, he could really rock it. So why don't you say, when he started to try and walk, oh, Nathan, look, do you know what, you really haven't got the walking thing sus. Why don't you just carry on with the bum-shuffling thing? Because you've got you're so much better at that. Because of a fundamental truth, which is that what we do is a journey. Just like Mark said in the word before we start, earlier on, which is God wants to teach you a dance, and you're too busy looking at your feet. You're too busy trying not to make a mistake. That little girl was not worried about making a mistake, and nor were her parents. I want to read something from a book uh, called Rivers from Eden. Um, by Eden and Brad Jerzak. It's a great little meditation book, and I encourage you if you want to explore this area a bit more to, to look it up. But they say we need to believe that God is okay with process. In fact, he's the originator of it. Just as we encourage and celebrate the process that babies go through to reach maturity, God encourages and celebrates our baby steps of learning to walk and communicate with him. God told me to stop seeing myself as a failure and to see myself as in process. God doesn't call our mistakes mistakes. He just calls them learning. And we need to believe that God can compensate for our apparent deafness. Just like that dad was able to correct what his son misheard. Do you think that if, the son, if he asked the son to get him something and he brought the wrong thing, that he wouldn't just instantly try and correct what he said, to speak louder, more clearly. So just as you're trying to work on your journey to learn to hear God, trust that God is going to compensate for any mistakes you make along the way. You are willing that girl to walk and you don't even know who she is. Do you think it's any different when you try to do something God's speaking to you about? We are made in the image of God, so we're on, we're on a journey and expect to make mistakes. I'm conscious of time, so I'm going to try and wrap this up. What time did I start? Did I get? Did I start quarter two? Uh-huh. Give me the give me the, the, the nod. My final tip is this don't be intimidated with what other people seem to have. The way some people speak I'm walking over to this end of the stage You think they're in the third heaven. They're in this constant two way flow with God and they're seeing things and you know and and you just think, Oh my word, I just don't get that kind of stuff. But don't get intimidated by it. Because actually what I've discovered is that when you ask them, what exactly did you experience? What exactly did God say to you? How did he say it? I discovered over the years that actually God was doing the same thing to me. I just didn't call it the same way they did. I didn't speak in flowery language. Or I didn't speak with the certainty that they did. But actually a lot of what they're experiencing, I was experiencing in some way, shame or form. So, feel free to say to someone when they do something, just let me ask you, what exactly happened? You know, take the Christianese out of it. You may think that your ability to hear God is a bit like the top car. Somewhat rubbishy, beaten up and not like to go very far. But the truth is, those two cars are the same. It just took a bit of practice and a bit of patience. A bit of loving care. So when God seems silent, it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. When what you normally do isn't working, look and see what Jesus is doing. Use an aid. Go somewhere where God's presence is. Look at your milestones and your prophecies. Go for ministry and prayer. Work out how God speaks to you. We're on a journey, so expect to make mistakes. And don't be intimidated by what other people experience. Now, I've got five more minutes to do one more exercise with you. Okay. So, this is from the book that I quoted from you. What I'd like you to do is do something that I did a little while ago. Uh, And then I'm going to share with you what I got to try and help you. So what I'd like you to do is take a few moments in quiet. Eyes open, eyes closed, don't care. But ask God this question in your mind. Show me something about you. Show me something about you. We're just going to take a, a moment for God to speak to you. so asking God to show you something about him about who he is his nature Okay, because time is pressing we'll we'll, uh, try and practice if you haven't had anything do it in the bath tonight whatever so when I did this exercise I saw an umbrella in my mind's eye in my imagination and so this is my thought process I thought Alright, an umbrella, okay. Well, that's, okay, show me something about you, God. I see an umbrella. Well, it does give some form of shelter, that's true. If it's raining, it would shelter me from the rain. But I have to be honest, God, um, it's not really very reassuring because umbrellas are rather flimsy uh, and they give way. And that doesn't strike me as being rather powerful at all. How's that going to withstand the weather of my life? Now, in my, my own voice, in my head, I heard, it won't, my son. That's your plan. That's your solution. If you see rain, you plan to bring an umbrella. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it gets overwhelmed. But that's your idea. I cheat, says God. I change the weather. (laughs) So he said, my son, you need to look bigger. You need to look for my solutions. You need to look for a weather changing, game changing God. And then he reminded me of the disciples in the storm. So I would be one of the disciples trying to get my, get my uh, sail right and sailing to the wind. I wouldn't have been expecting a game changing, weather changing God. But Jesus looks for that kind of God, and that's what he expected. So that's why I slept. And so my challenge for you is that God is always speaking. He's always got something to say. And use these kind of things to help you tune in and hear what he's going to say to you. So we're done. But what I would like to do um, is give you an opportunity. I wasn't going to do this and then I felt God prompted me to do it. To give you an opportunity, if you want to make a declaration, if you feel like, actually, do you know what? I do struggle in that area. Actually, I do struggle to hear God. And I want to make a declaration that I'm going to go on a journey. And I want someone to come and pray with me so that I can walk that journey with them. And uh, I think sometimes in those ten years of me going forward, actually sometimes making those public declarations and saying, I'm still here, I'm still pressing in, made a difference. So if you don't want to do that, that's fine, but if, if you want to do that, I just want to invite you to come forward so that we can pray for you. It's not a sort of, um, you, could, you could be at a, an average person who wants to be a portal person. You don't have to be a zero-k person. So there's no judgment involved in you. They don't know why you're coming up. But I just wanted to give you an opportunity. If you want to just say, Father God, I want to go deeper. I want to go on that journey. I want to hear you more. Then come forward and we want to pray for you. Otherwise, if you are uh, fully set in yourself and you're happy with your journey, then I think Mark wanted to just share some of these prophecies with you. So um, you may want to come and respond to that uh, or any words of healing it's got for you. Otherwise, have a fantastic evening.